Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back and better than ever, Greeny, presented by Progressive Insurance. My guests on the Shell Pinto Performance Line, and I got three of them coming your way in the next half hour. At the bottom of this hour, the third of them will be Jeff Passan, because there's a Hall of Famer who just became a free agent. We'll talk about who he is and where he may wind up. We'll get to the basketball in a few minutes here with Zach Lowe, because there's a lot of wheeling and dealing going on. But first things first, we're going to talk a little football. And I have been looking forward to this a lot. So I will tell you that in my lifetime, and all the years that I've been on the radio, obviously the person I have spent the most time talking to on the radio was Mike Golick. The number two person, the person I spent the second most time talking to in my lifetime on the radio, I haven't talked to since we've started doing this again in August. He is now a terrific analyst doing games for Fox Sports, and he's one of my favorite people in the world. Mark Schlereth is with me on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line. Hello, Popo. How are you? I, you know what? I'm doing great. I got granddaughter or grandkid number three coming along. I don't know if it's going to be my granddaughter or grandson. But number three is coming along here at the end of December. So I'm really excited about this. Um, and obviously, Popo, the nickname that uh, was given to me uh, by my, I think I gave that to myself on uh, Mike and Mike all those you did. years ago. Yes, you did. That's correct. Well, congr- I did not know that. Is this Daniel's third? Is, is, that, is that who's expecting? Daniel's third, yeah. That's very wonderful for you and Lisa and everybody. Congratulations. It's great to see you, my man. And I so enjoy when Red Zone cuts to your games. <laughs> I sit there every single week. I say, Stace, that stink. That stink talking right now. Um, and, and you've had some very good games in recent weeks. And this week you had the Saints game in which uh, Drew Brees gets hurt. And so we'll start there. And then I want to talk about last night's Bears. And then you have the Eagles coming up this week. So it's the trifecta of interesting teams to talk about. Let's, let's start with the Saints. Brees goes down. In comes Jameis. I, I think we can assume reasonably safely that with these broken ribs, Breeze is going to miss a reasonably significant period of time. What do you expect them to do at quarterback, and how do you expect it to go? Well, I expect them to start Jameis Winston, and I think you're going to look at Taysom Hill get a little expanded role, and the guy's an incredibly dynamic football player. Um, You know, he's one of the most unique guys. You remember years ago when Buster Posey, was playing for Florida State, and he had a game where he went into th- it, all nine positions. That's mm-hmm. Taysom Hill. Mm-hmm. He can do that. I mean, he can play your X receiver, your Z receiver, your F receiver. He can play tight end. He can play fullback. He can play tailback. All those things, and, and obviously quarterback. So you're going to see a mixture of him along with Jameis Winston. But remember last year, Drew Brees missed five games. Teddy Bridgewater came back and kind of resurrected his career. That's what you're looking for with Jameis Winston. We know he has a propensity to throw it into a team meeting. You know, that's not going to fly with Sean Payton. He's going to have to take that underneath stuff, the check down stuff that they really like, uh, kind of matriculate the ball down the football field. So that's going to be part of what Jameis Winston's going to have to do. And I'm telling you what, I think that he'll thrive in that kind of environment under Sean Payton. So we'll see if he can resurrect his career, much like Teddy Bridgewater was able to do for him last year. Yeah, they went unbeaten with Bridgewater, and he parlayed that into a starting job, and he's playing very well. The the thing is that there are no two people more different in the way they play the position, at least the way they have, than Jameis and Teddy. Teddy Bridgewater was somewhat similar to Drew Brees, really, um, and, and Jameis couldn't be more the opposite. So talk me through how, if you're the coaching staff, you didn't really have an off season with him. He's only in his first year with the program. You turned Jameis Winston into the kind of quarterback that we have seen in New Orleans for the last 15 years. Yeah, well, I think the, the number one thing that you have to look at is how talented this football team is. Uh, you know, I'm going to make a compelling argument. The Saints 
are the most talented team in, in all the National Football League. When you look at, you know, Armstead at left tackle, Ramchek at right tackle, you look at what they have along their front, they're as good as anybody in football. Uh, I'll make a compelling argument that Kamara uh, is the best back in all of football. Mike Thomas on one side, Emmanuel Sanders, the different rotation that they have of players. And one thing that I think Sean Payton probably doesn't get credit for is Sean Payton wants to control line of scrimmage. He wants to run the football. They really control the tempo of the game. They control the clock. They control and manage the game through a short passing game. And after they lull you into the short passing game, that's when they just pound you. They pound you in the running game. So they've got the ability to essentially say, this is the way we call a game, and here's where you're going to fit. Um, it's not about pushing the ball down the football field deep, pushing the ball down the seams. And Jameis Winston's going to have to adhere to that. Now, he's been there long enough to understand how Drew Brees does it. Um, we'll see if he can actually implement that into his game. But I, I don't know why you wouldn't if you're Jameis Winston. Take those check downs, take those short throws, and, um, and, and use that running game. Use your running backs the way that, that Drew Brees does. I mean, that's a recipe for success. It's been proven. Absolutely. And look, he's got the talent that made him the number one pick in the draft not all that long ago. So resurrect is the right word. He has a chance to resurrect his career. Let's see if he can do it. For the Saints who have winnable games coming up on their schedule, they'll do it without Drew Brees. Greeny and Mark Schlereth, who's with me here. Let's talk about the team we watched lose last night. The Bears have now lost four straight games. I I ran through a a whole bunch of numbers that your old friend Hembo gave me this morning about how just how good their defense has been. Mm. Our analytics at ESPN actually have them the number one defense in defensive efficiency since the coach has been in place, since Matt Nagy has been in place. But the offense is so ridiculously bad. Take me through your experience. Were you ever on a team where it was that kind of one-sided? What is that dynamic like in a locker room when one side of the ball is that good and the other is that bad? I, you know, I've never been there before, but I played against Golok all those years when the Philadelphia Eagles had the number one defense in all of football. And um, and their offense was just pathetic. And yeah. I think it gets to the point where you're so frustrated and you start to actually make mistakes along the way on the defensive side of the ball occasionally because you're like, hey, even if we pitch a shutout, we're still going to end a 0-0 tie because our offense is that pathetic. So, um, you know, those are the things that you start to think, you start to gamble, you start to make mistakes even on the defensive side of the ball while you're dominating. So, I know that it can be exceptionally frustrating, and defensively, you know, they are. They are just so exceptionally good, and and I get that Mitchell Trubisky hasn't worked out. I understand, you know, that aspect of what's going on in Chicago, but to think that Nick Foles was going to, you know, that Nick Foles was going to create that magic that he created back in Philadelphia during that playoff run and during the Super Bowl, I, I just think that this is who he's been consistently throughout um, the time that he has been a starter, whether it was in Philly early or whether it was with the Rams or whether it was, you know, um, here with Chicago. It's kind of where they are right now at the quarterback position. But I think they have a myriad of different problems. Um, I think, uh, you know, receiving core, I think that um, that that they're, they're good, but they're not exceptional. I don't think they are, are, are super dynamic there. And, you know, their running game just hasn't been what it needs to be to to kind of prop up a a journeyman type of quarterback. Uh, Listen, I mean, the numbers are so bad, Stink. I'll give you these. The last four games, hold on, let me get this, because you made me think of it when you were saying that. The last four games in this four-game losing streak, their offense, they have 20 punts, seven turnovers, and four offensive touchdowns. That's what they've done in their last four games. So there's no one can win doing that, no matter how good 
your defense is. Okay, you've got a, a really interesting game this weekend on Fox. You've got the Browns and the Eagles. And the Eagles are a team that we've talked so much about on our show because they were very high expectations. And to this point, it just hasn't worked out. And were they in any other division, I think the noise might be a whole lot louder. As you, I'm sure you've started to look at the film now on them. What are you seeing on the tape from the quarterback and, and everywhere else as far as what the Eagles aren't doing and what they need to do to become the team that it feels like they should be? You know, I think there's I think there's a couple of things on tape. I, like they have lost their ability to have a deep threat, and so I, I think there are no there's no threat there's no threat to the defense in that anybody's going to run by us. So they're getting a lot of really tight coverage, and there's a couple of different things that have that they have really struggled with. Carson Wentz's propensity to hold on to the football and for weight the for things to come open. That's been an issue. Um, he has just kind of waited. They haven't had early answers in their offense. So there's not a lot of short, quick routes where they're early throws, or when they have one of those early throws, Carson is waiting for something else deeper to come open. Like I said, there's nobody that really threatens over the top. There's no fear of getting beat over the top. So you see, you're seeing much tighter coverage on those intermediate routes because they are not afraid of getting beat over the top. And then ultimately, um, up front, their offensive line has broken down, especially in games. When I watch them on film, when they run tackle-tackle games or tackle-lane games, uh, they have done a really poor job of picking those things up. So guys are getting pressure early. They're getting pressure late. There's constantly somebody in Carson Wentz's uh, face. So all those three things coupled together – um, are really are really hurting this football team. So you know it's the lack of a deep threat. It's the lack of uh, Carson getting off or getting you know taking a profit when it's there. You know the the old saying that you never go broke taking a profit. There's a lot of you know when they do have an early throw when they do have a, a back in the flat he doesn't want to take it. He wants to push the ball and that's been hurting this offense, getting them behind the chains and not letting them stay on schedule. They go to Cleveland this weekend. Again, Mark Schlereth will be on the call. That's in the 1 o'clock window on Fox this weekend. And and with the Giants beating them this past week, and the Giants, they're not a great team, but they look a little bit on the come. If, if you right now had to pick yeah. a team in that division, who would you pick? Who Who is the best team in, in what they sometimes call now the NFC least? Which is the team that you would bet on if you had to bet something on, on which team winds up winning that division? I picked the Giants after I called a game of the Giants five weeks ago to win this mm. division. Hmm. Um, which game was that? I'm trying to remember. Which, which game did you have? I had uh, I had Giants at Washington. I also had oh, the Giants first early in the season against the Rams. Right. And so I just looked at them, you know, after that Rams game and said, this is a team, if it figures it out, I had a long conversation with uh, their offense coordinator, Jason Garrett. And – we were just talking about offensive principles in the running game in general. And, you know, my conversation with him was pick one thing, find one thing that you can do, do it exceptionally well, and then build off of that one thing. You know, ancillary plays that come off that one thing, whatever that happens to be, whether it's a gap system, whether it's a power counter system, you know, whether it's a zone system, find something that you can hang your hat on. Build, you know, have that one tenant and then build your offense around that. Um, they're a big physical football team. They have gotten better up front. They have done a much better job of running the ball, controlling the tempo of the game, um, using Daniel Jones' skill set as a, you know, as a runner. 
to create some explosive plays in, in that realm. Um, like I said, I said it five weeks ago. I think that that Giants team is the best team in the division that I've watched on tape. And I think eventually they'll win this. And, and I, I'm telling you, they have a lot of respect for Joe Judge. They have a lot of respect for what he has done, the way he coaches, the way he doesn't sell guys down the river. Um, we're all in this kind of together perspective. And they're starting to play some really good football. Should have beaten Tampa a couple of weeks ago. Um, certainly, you know, have two wins against Washington. But what they did last week was pretty impressive. Now, I'm with you. As crazy as it sounds, about a team three and seven, I agree. They're the best team in that division, and I think they yeah. will win it. Again, Mark Schlereth will have the Eagles and the Browns in the 1 o'clock Eastern window on Fox this weekend. It is a pleasure to see you. Let's do this again soon. Thank you, Stink. Best to everybody. Anytime, Greeny. Best to your family, man. Good to see you. I can't believe your kids are so grown up, by the way. I just I remember them being little, and I see some of the videos. I'm like, this is... We're not get, I, I, I don't know how we're not aging, and they are. It just uh, is uh, I, unbelievable. I'm with you. Funny, quick story. I have Zach Lowe waiting, but a quick story I'll tell. When Mark Schlereth's daughter, Avery, and my daughter, Nikki, we were at ESPN The Weekend, whatever year this was, a million years ago, my daughter thought your daughter was Hannah Montana. Do you remember that? We walked in, we were backstage, yes. and she said, Dad, I think that's, that was Mark Schlereth's daughter, Avery. So we, we go back a, a very, very long way. I love you, big fella. I'll talk to you later. Love you too, buddy. Bye-bye. Take care. That's Mark Schlereth with me again, doing so great on Fox now. I love hearing him do games. That's really what he wanted to do, and he does. He's extremely good on the games. I like linemen doing games, to be honest with you, because they see things that we don't. Like, you don't need to tell me that was a great throw. I, I can, I, I've seen enough football to know what was a great move. But what I can't tell you are some of the complexities of blocking schemes and things like that. So I like offensive linemen doing these games because they focus on that. And if you know Stink, as I do, no one understands line play as well as he does. So it's great. Okay, Greeny with you here um, on ESPN Radio. And Zach Lowe is ready to go. I want to tell you, Church's New Chicken Sandwich is finally here with almost 70 years in the kitchen. You can bet we put the work into it to make it worth it. It's everything you love about churches between two buns. Get it today, just three ninety nine. Thanks for waiting. Churches bringing that down-home flavor. It's an extremely busy week in the NBA, and the host of the Low Post podcast and as good a basketball guy as we know is Zach Lowe, who joins me on the Shell Pennzoil performance line. Hello, Zach Lowe. How you doing, Greeny? I am doing great. It is a pleasure to talk to you, and it's a pleasure to have all this basketball wheeling and dealing in the middle of November. So let's start with the really big name in the middle of all of this. Where do we stand right now as far as James Harden is concerned, and what should we be expecting? I think we stand at something of a stalemate. James Harden has reportedly made his wishes clear. He wants to be in Brooklyn. He doesn't want to be in Houston anymore, according to Woj, and also from what I've heard. And the Rockets so far are expressing pretty much no interest in really having any serious talks with Brooklyn or anybody else about about James Harden. And, you know, eventually this has the potential to linger and linger and linger, and one side's going to cave or one side's not going to cave, or they're just going to sort of hold their noses and play together for a little while longer. But to me... The writing is on the wall, and once the once the writing starts to be written up on that wall, it's hard to erase it. And the end game seems like he's he's going to be elsewhere. But when we don't know. All right, how tell me how the Brooklyn thing works? Is is this a Harden KD thing? Is this a Harden KD and Kyrie thing? Like how? Give me the math on Harden to Brooklyn, why they want it, and how they make it work. Well, a number of, of uh, executives have told me this. This what they, what the Nets should do is instead of mortgaging their future, flip Kyrie for Harden. But mm-hmm. I, to, to me, that seems 
a little early and a little unrealistic given that Kyrie and KD literally just got there as a package deal. They're very good friends. So maybe that's the off-ramp later, right? Maybe if you trade the farm, which is Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, Spencer Dinwiddie, every pick and every swap that you're allowed to do, maybe if that ends up being the trade and it's not going well and Kyrie doesn't like being a third option and whatever, 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 maybe that's your off-ramp to then moving Kyrie somewhere else and recouping some of that draft deck when you sent out for Harden. But I think, look, they, these two teams have not had any substantive talks. Let's be clear about that. But I think if and when they do, it's more likely the offers are of that just these these good young players and every pick we've got than Kyrie. Zach Lowe with me on ESPN Radio. So let's let's say that they keep they have they have some way at some point this season they have Kevin Durant they have James Harden they have Kyrie Irving and they've basically mortgaged everything else around them. So they they just sort of fill it in with whatever they can. Does that team win the Eastern Conference? I think they walk into the season as the favorites in the Eastern Conference, but it's close between them and Milwaukee after what the Bucks did last night. And Boston and Miami certainly still have to be right there. And Toronto, too. But I think they walk in as the co-favorites. And, and I do look, they'll have Joe Harris back more than likely. He's a free agent. Torian Prince would probably stay. They, have, they just made a nice little trade for a role player, Bruce Brown, uh, yesterday. They'll have a decent, you know, DJ is still there. They'll have a decent eight, nine man rotation around those big three guys. If this actually happens good enough that I think, yeah, the star power, I mean, that's unmatched at least on offense. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, a combination I'd love to watch because it would be like a fascinating chemistry experiment. You put three, um, what, what are they called uh, in chemistry? You put three art items together. What's the word I'm looking for? You, you know, you mix three particles or whatever they are. I was bad in, I was bad in chemistry then, and I remain bad in chemistry. <laughs> you mix three things, and then and, and you wonder, are they going to blow up, or are they going to create like you know something magnificent? What would be your guess? Could those three guys play together? First of all, I, I opted out of honors chemistry in high school. So <laughs> yeah. I just said, yeah, covalent bonds, whatever you want to talk about, I'm out for that discussion. Right. Look, I'm more – the jokes are going to fly, right? Well, are they going to play with two basketballs? You know, how are they going to keep everyone happy? Mm-hmm. I actually am a little bit more optimistic about the fit, at least on the surface, because KD, as great as he is, he's one of the greatest players of all time, he's always been willing to sort of alternate between my post-ups, my ISOs, and then I kind of become like Paul George, like running off pin downs, playing off the ball. He's fine with that. The challenge, I think, is going to be can, can Kyrie accept that third option role because James Harden walks in. He's the lead ball handler. And the other challenge is, does James Harden remember how to play like normal basketball? This, I get to dribble 50 times and take a step back three. You don't get to do that with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving on your team. I'm actually optimistic he, he does remember how he used to play before the last few years. I think the fit could really work well on offense, but Kyrie in particular would have to sacrifice. It's going to be very interesting to watch. Zach Lowe, you'll be in the middle of all of it again. The draft is tomorrow. Tons of coverage, and let's do this again soon. Zach Lowe, thank you, my man. I'll see you soon. Always a pleasure, Greeny. Be well. Zach Lowe, again, the podcast is called The Low Post. The NBA is having a fascinating week. They do great off-seasons. You know, the NBA, I've, I've joked around many times, the best season for the NBA is the postseason. The next best season is the off-season. Um, and, and it is fun to watch. And let's see where they wind up. If Harden winds up in Brooklyn, that would certainly be very interesting. But Bubba, one way or another, the NBA is making moves. Making Moves is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. Build your winning team today. Go to linkedin.com slash sports. All right, so many different things we still have working here. Coming up, a Hall of Famer just became a free agent. Where is he going? We will talk about that. 
Greeny, the podcast. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute, but Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance at half past the hour again. I said when I came back to radio, particularly in this time slot, I was excited about news breaking while I'm on the air. I've been doing mornings 21 years. Very seldom do people get traded or fired or, or hired or anything like that during uh, those hours. Well, so I got some news today. Theo Epstein, again, resigning as the president of baseball operations for the Cubs. I was reading Jeff Passan's Twitter feed. It sounds like Theo is going to go back into this at some point, but plans to take a year off. Let's try and figure out what might be next for him as we bring Jeff Passan into the conversation on the Shell Pencil Performance Line. Hello, Passan. Hello, Greeny. How are you? Oh, excellent. And, and so, look, Theo, to me, is a Lock Hall of Famer. I actually saw someone um, describe him as a, a, a possible Hall of Famer. Look, to me, if you were to figure out that the, the two most significant championships that have been won in the sport in the last, mm-hmm. I don't even know how long, 50 years, it would be the one he engineered in 04 in Boston and the one he engineered in 16 in Chicago. And, and so to me, I think he's a slammed. I don't know anything about this stuff, and you do. I feel like if he's not a Hall of Famer, who the heck is? Uh, there aren't a lot of executives in the National Baseball Hall of Fame, so that's working against him. But, yeah, uh, I mean, what he did in Boston, and not just winning in 04 and winning in 07, but sort of setting the stage and the culture for 13 uh, and 18, you know, four championships in a 15-year run there. That started because of Theo Epstein and what he was able to build there. And then going to Chicago and doing the impossible. Uh, and, and it's interesting, Greeny. He sent a letter earlier today to friends and colleagues talking about, uh, you know, a myriad of things, why he made this decision, what his future looks like. And, uh, you know, I've, I've had the chance through the years to read Theo Epstein's writing. He's an incredible writer. And, and I think I, I got the most passion from him in that letter, talking about what they had built in Chicago, how he had come in, wanting to, to to make this culture that just had not been around for all the heartbreak, all the uh, you know awful baseball that Chicago saw through the years. One thing that was missing was just a consistent winning culture there. 
And it's like he said in the letter, uh, we did that, uh, and, and we did that quickly. And, and while I think they're, you know, the legacy of Theo Epstein in Chicago uh, will, will be tinged with a little bit of disappointment that they had only one championship, they still have one more championship than they had in the previous 100 years. And that is, that is something that is incredible and, and something that absolutely does deserve enshrinement in the Hall of Fame. I completely agree. So now that we agree on that, let's get to the business at hand. I, I read the same letter you did. Oh, by the way, he should be a great writer. You know, his uncle wrote the screenplay to Casablanca. So he won, won an Oscar for that. So writing runs in the family. Hashtag Bubba is a crazy fan of the New York Mets, who now have the richest owner in Major League Baseball. Does that seem like a reasonable place for Theo to consider going next? And if not, then where should we be looking? Here's the problem with that, Greeny. He's taken a year off. I, like, I, I just, you know, it's not just that he said it in the letter. I think he needs a break. And and we saw this in Boston, too. Like, he was overwhelmed there by that job. And, you know, his his eldest son is 13 now. He's got two boys. And, you know, he wants to spend a little bit of time with his family. He wants to, you know, Theo Epstein is a very politically motivated person and he has causes that are near and dear to his heart and he wants to devote some time to those too. And I don't know, maybe Steve Cohen comes in with the, uh, the godfather offer of all godfather offers. And, and Theo Epstein looks at this and says, I slayed the dragon in Boston. I slayed the dragon uh, in Chicago now I'm going to go to New York where Mets fans have been waiting 35 years and slay the dragon with them too. And, you know, it, like he said in that letter, Greeny, I'm going to have a third act at some point. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if that point is right now because I think he is so devoted and committed at this point to the idea of taking time away and and of the... Of, of the way that it, it's almost like when you've been doing this job that he's done for the last nine years, like a video game character who's, uh, you know, whose meter is down at like 5%. And I, I feel like he can fill that 95% with a year away from baseball. And, and maybe I'm being naive to think that, uh, you know, Steve Cohen's money, his power, whatever he offers, to Theo Epstein would would not be enough. I, I've just gotten the impression that this next year away from baseball means something to him and that he's actually going to take it. And, and if you're the Mets, it's a great question. Do you wait a year? Do you, do you if you're Sandy Alderson, hire a general manager but not hire a president of baseball operations in hopes that a year from now you can get him? Or would that be a very New York Knicks-type move Hey, let's clear cap space for a bunch of people who don't want to come here. <laughs> Look at you mixing your sports and mixing your metaphors uh, and doing it awfully well. As only I'm just you trying can. to, Greeny, I'm just trying to get back on to get up. It's, it's like the baseball <laughs> offseason, you guys don't care anymore. So you can bring me in. I can break down film with Orlovsky. I can jump in there with Woj and talk about bird rights. You know, whatever you need, buddy. I'm here for you. You're going to wear that Mahomes costume again. I might get you in there if they lose on Sunday night. <laughs> hey, thank you, Jeff. I'll see you soon. All right, Grady. Take care, pal. It's Jeff Passon with me here on ESPN Radio. Let, let, let me tell you something 
about why I believe Theo Epstein belongs in the Hall of Fame. We'll make this the proof is in the pencil. Okay, so the proof is in the proof is in the accomplishments. The proof is in the history. I remember Chris Carter said to me many, many years ago that the test of a Hall of Famer is can you write the history of the sport without him? You're going to tell me you're going to write the history of baseball right now without Theo Epstein? Theo Epstein built the Red Sox, who snapped at that time what was, I think, the most... I think there was even more buzz at that time around the Red Sox streak because of the Babe Ruth connection, because of how close they came on multiple different occasions, including 86 and 03 and all these other things, 75. They had come so close so many times that... Uh, snapping the Red Sox streak was at the time about as it felt as big a thing as could possibly happen. And then he went and tried to climb the only mountain that could possibly have been even taller because he went to Chicago where the Cubs streak was even markedly longer. At that point, it was 108 years by the time they got there. So he was there, what, three, four years before. So he, it, 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 was, it was well over 100 years by the time he got there. You cannot write the story of the history of the game of baseball without Theo Epstein. And to me, that is proof that he absolutely belongs in the Hall of Fame. The proof is in the Pennzoil. Pennzoil synthetic motor oils are made from natural gas, giving you unbeatable engine protection. The proof is in the Pennzoil based on sequence 40 wear test using SAE 5W30. I'll tell you another thing about just how incredibly smart of a guy Theo Epstein is. I had the chance to spend a little time with him in his box, uh, just through a friend of a friend. I happened to be in his box during a, a run-of-the-mill afternoon Cubs game. This is before they won it. This was probably 2014 or 15. They weren't, they weren't that good yet, so maybe this is all the way back to 14. And I asked, we were just talking about the game, and he said to me, my biggest concern for the game right now is that we're going to get boring because... The, the, the move that every team is making right now is we all can bring three guys out of our bullpen who can throw 100 miles an hour. And if eventually that's what baseball becomes, it's going to get boring because it'll just, there'll just be no more offense. And obviously what has happened is that has been countered by all these home runs. But what I'm trying to say is that Theo saw this trend in baseball. It's because Theo is the trends in baseball. It is because the trends are created by a small group of people, and he's one of them. I, I like and admire Theo as much as I do practically anybody in sports. So he's going to do awfully well. If he wants to take a year off, he will. If he wants another job, he'll get one as soon as he wants it. And if he wants any number of a variety of opportunities that will come his way outside of baseball, I think that bears watching as well. He's a fascinating person, and it'll be interesting to see. All right, I'm going to do something I never do here, and that is I'm going to ask you a little trivia question. I'm going to use trivia as my greeny tease because I got a good one here from Hembo. If indeed James Harden winds up on a team with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, it would be one of very few times in NBA history that a team, one team, would have three of the top ten active leaders in scoring average. Can you tell me the last time an NBA team had three of the top ten active leaders in career scoring? What's the last time that happened in the NBA? My hint, it isn't that long ago. The answer is coming up next. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. 
big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Greenie today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Greenie, G-R-E-E-N-Y. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Grady back with you on ESPN Radio. And this text comes in from Little Ray, a.k.a. Metropolitan Ray, a.k.a. Cuffy. He sends me a text that says, From the Met fans, Sandy can cover it for a year. We'll wait a year for Theo. Again, Theo Epstein is unquestionably in the Hall of Fame. If you're just joining us here, Theo Epstein has resigned as the president of baseball ops for the Cubs after an extraordinarily successful run there. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care if the last few years have felt disappointing. You win a World Series for the Chicago Cubs, you're just walking into the Hall of Fame. And that's what he's doing. And his next stop will be an interesting one to follow. In a moment, I will pay off that trivia question that I asked you. So stand by for that for a minute. But first, I want to give you some fascinating stats. Our fascinating stats are brought to you by DraftKings, America's top-rated daily fantasy app. And the fascinating stats are really brutal. I mean, really, really brutal. And if we watch the Chicago Bears play offense last night, our analytics, according to my friend Hembo, give the Chicago Bears the number one defensive efficiency in the sport since Matt Nagy became their coach. And after this season, they will have a combined total of zero playoff wins to show for it. Zero. And this is why. Their offensive ranks this season in each of the following statistical categories. Points per game, points per drive, yards per game, yards per play, first downs per game, third down percentage, average drive distance, and total offensive efficiency. In every one of those statistics, the Chicago Bears are 31st in the NFL this year. Second to last. By the way, in every one of them, the Jets are last. Only the Jets are worse than the Bears. That's where the Bears are. And so as you sit here and you say to yourself, what should the Bears do? That's not just a quarterback problem. That is a problem that I think needs to be remedied at the top. In my opinion, this is an organizational issue. It goes well, well, well beyond just Trubisky or Foles. The time for arguing over those two, those two are the symptoms. But the, 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 the issues there are the coaching. And I will continue to say that. And at this point, I've been saying it for a while back when it felt like everyone was yelling at me for saying it. And now I think I've said it to the point that it's been proven right. Greeny with you presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive celebrating eight years of donating cars to veterans in need. Learn more at keystoprogress.com. 
Okay, um, I will play off the NBA tees here, and I'm going to have the guys guess on it. Here we go, guys. If, indeed, this trio winds up together, Harden, Durant, and Kyrie on Brooklyn, it would be um, the three of the top ten active leaders in career scoring would be on the same team. Can you name the last time a team had three of the top ten active leaders in scoring? I can tell you it has happened a total of five times since the merger. So let's go around the horn here for quick guesses on who you think was the last time, because I heard you guys debating this during the break. Nuno, who do you think? Uh, the Rockets in 2018. Rockets in 18. Cliff, who do you think? I got the Celtics of 08, Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, KG. And finally, hashtag Bubba, who do you think? Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Cliff's guess as well, the Celtics. Okay, fair enough. The actual answer is the 2012 Miami Heat, LeBron... D-Wade, and Ray Allen. Not LeBron, D-Wade, and Bosh, which is what I thought someone would guess, but LeBron, D-Wade, and Ray Allen. That was the most recent time that three of the top ten active leaders in career scoring were on the same team. It happened four times before then since the merger. I'll run through them quickly. 03 Lakers, Kobe, Shaq, and Carl Malone. The 97 Rockets, Elijah Barkley, and Drexler. The 85 Sixers, no one would ever get this. Carl, uh, Moses Malone, Julia Serving, and Bob McAdoo. I didn't even remember McAdoo being on that team. And then in 77, the Celtics, Havlicek, Wicks, and Bing. Those, those are the times that it has happened before, and it, would, it looks like it may happen again here. There's a part of me that hopes it does. If you're asking me, do I hope that James Harden winds up in Brooklyn with those guys? Just as a fan of the sport, I think I'll say yes. And you know that I always rail against all these stars leaving these teams, that the sport is better when they're evenly distributed. But the reality is it feels like the sport needs something to jolt it. It feels like it needs an infusion of something. It needs a team for people to become very interested in. And especially if that team is in the East Coast, if that team is going to play games in the Eastern time zone. And I think this team would do that. You put Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden on the same team, whether I'm rooting for them or against them, I'm watching. So I think in the big picture, that would be good for the league. I hope it happens. I don't expect it to. Certainly not in the next week or so. Anyway, it's been a fun day. Thank you so much for being a part of this. I'll see you back and better than ever tomorrow. Same time tomorrow on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can check out Greeny live weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN+. Also, don't miss Greeny on Get Up, weekday mornings at 8 Eastern on ESPN. This is Greeny, the podcast.